Welcome, everybody, to the XR for Learning podcast. Today, I have Michael McDonald on the show, and originally from London, uh, Michael now lives in Italy and graduated with a degree in German and business management. After two years working in the UK public sector, HR and recruitment, he left his job in London to get back to what he loved to do most, and that was all about languages and education. So I would love to introduce Michael to the show, and I would love to have you tell us more about Gold Lotus, what you're working on in the classroom using XR technologies, and help me talk about all the things that are going so well for you educating these kids uh, through virtual reality. Michael, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Julie. And uh, hello to any of the listeners out there that uh, will listen to this later on. So really nice to be here. Thanks for uh giving me the opportunity to share a little bit about what I've been up to. But it's not all about me. It's about certainly the students and the teachers that I'm working with and also the wider community. And there's a whole lot of stuff we can uh, talk about uh, on today's episode regarding those. So, um, yeah, in terms of uh, your first point there about Gold Lotus, yes, it's a kind of consultancy I set up here in Italy a few years ago um, after really a good few years of exploring um, everything from Google Cardboard to kind of 15-pound Amazon headsets, um, uh, sorry, um, uh, headsets from Amazon, like uh, virtual reality, and uh, up to really the latest kind of Oculus Go, Oculus Quest, and everything else in between. Um, so I set up the consultancy Gold Lotus, which basically reflects this kind of idea that, you know, anybody, and I'm going to get deep here, I'm sorry about that, but anybody can kind of grow from those muddy waters. You might be a student or teacher kind of in the doldrums, maybe thinking, well, what can I do to maybe accelerate my learning or improve the way that I learn languages, because that's kind of my field. And it's just kind of a, a, a kind of a way for people to be pushed by me, hopefully in the right direction, and shown alternative ways of using this new technology within a learning context. So that's a bit of the background. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic, and I I've been showing up to some of the YouTube classes okay. that you've shown uh, on LinkedIn, and they just fascinate me because I think you've taken teaching to a whole different level. I've had several conversations with people about your your lessons mm. uh, just in different contexts. And it comes back to really testing who the teacher mm. is now and the personality, the intonation in your voice, because these students can't mm. see you. And I think you have kind of risen to the to the top to in my mind of having that voice that is going to engage the kids. Uh, and have them respond back. And I think that's one of um, one of the best things that you've seen is obviously teaching yeah. these languages that you're encouraging these students to speak more and more and learn sure. the English language. So um, maybe you can talk to the response of the students with some of the lessons that you've been doing. Thanks for the compliments, but I really can't take credit for the, for those those lessons in a sense. Yes, I provide the, um, I guess, the platform for them, just as you're doing now with your podcast. Um, the, the vibe of the experience or the interaction really does depend on the person with whom you're talking or the people. And, and so I guess that I, from my perspective, I'm just grateful that the tools are out there now for me to meet these people. Uh, when I talk about people, I'm talking at the moment, um, some of the students in Norway with a school we're collaborating with. Uh, there's some uh, schools in Italy as well, and soon the US that are going to be joining that program. But uh, I, I guess for me, it's just um, 
you know, I know what it's like to study a foreign language. That is my background. And, and I think this is an important point to make that my expertise, if you want to call it that, is uh, teaching English as a foreign language to people who can't speak this language natively um, or don't have the opportunity to. So um, I'm kind of helping them along that journey. And, you know, I, I guess all of us really have had some time in our life when we've not really been able to do something very well. And uh, for me, it was languages, but I loved it. And I went on to study German at university. And, uh, you know, that was 10 years ago now when I carried around the big dictionary in my bag. And, uh, you know, 10 years later, we're now kind of immersing ourselves in these engaging scenes, as you've seen online. Um, I'm just a guy that's happy to be exploring this technology and enjoying the fact that the tools are out there and that people actually want to join me and, and learn with me because it's such a learning curve for the teacher as well. Absolutely. And I think um, what I'd like to do is is share a couple of these lessons that you're doing that just seem so, so far off, but yet so simple. And the, the students were responding. So the first one mm. I saw was you were teaching them about Brexit. And um, you had the big yes. ten, uh, the big banknote, a ten-foot banknote in their uh, in their environment. And mm-hmm. first of all, the environment was very bland. There was yeah. no there was no furniture or anything like that. It was completely blank. And you had the students there as avatars, and um, the big banknote. And you were talking about Brexit. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, it was only a two-minute YouTube video, which we're going to drop in in the show notes so everybody can take a look. But I wanted to learn more. And I think that the students, as you said, in some of the comments on LinkedIn, you you mentioned that their retention on this subject was they did very well based on what you taught them that day. We can talk all day long about the engagement factor in these experiences, these lessons. And just for your listeners, if they're not clear about what we're talking about, essentially, um, I was using Rumi in those videos. So that's a company based in the US, I think it's Seattle, a Doghead Simulations. Um, and I was using their a collaborative real-time platform called Rumi. That's R-U-M-I-I, if you want to check that out. And um, it basically provides me a space to meet people remotely anywhere in the world. And you can import these 3D models. And I did one of a, ten, a big yeah, 10 pound or 10 foot banknote from my country, the UK and it was just a great way to kind of simulate the conversation because as a language teacher you kind of feel like you want some props you're maybe in a foreign country yourself maybe Italy Germany South America and you want to kind of show people what some of your culture is like and give them something to get their teeth into conversationally so VR allows you to do that uh, we also had a watermelon you know I wouldn't cut a piece of watermelon and take that into class um, because it just wouldn't be very hygienic possibly um, and uh, or practical but you can do that in VR so um, there are other platforms out there just to give people that context, like you took a, a massive, what was it, like a two meter long piece of watermelon in a 3D asset inside the virtual world. And everybody took a yes. bite out of this piece of watermelon, passed it around and shared it. And it was, regardless of what it was, you know, a, a watermelon or whatever, it was interesting to watch the community of your students sharing and doing the actions of actually being immersed in taking a bite out of this fake watermelon but they laughed and and they thought it was great and I thought that was that was so engaging of you I thought that was fascinating yeah thanks and it was useful yeah for them but I just wanted to just pick up one final thing from what you said there which is really key and it's that like despite this uh, kind of engagement factor um I'm under no illusions that at the end of the day, these students at some point in their real lives or their physical lives, if you want to call it that, away from the virtual experiences, they need to pass tests. They've got pressure from above. Their parents want that they get a particular qualification to demonstrate their proficiency in English, um, or they might have school governors visiting the school and that creates pressure for the teachers. So 
uh, I'm always kind of looking as well at the longer term thing after the engagement has worn off or maybe after the initial excitement has worn off because I think that's really where the sweet spot is. It's okay, let's now see uh, long term how this is really impacting their lives. And there's some great work done on the kinesthetic aspects of learning by, I think it's the Words in Motion Project, it was called at MIT, the Fluid Interfaces Group. I can send you the link to that, but it's a fascinating um, project where they looked at physical movements to learn languages in VR. So um, people should definitely check that out as well. That's amazing. And then it also takes me to one of the other lessons that you did the other day where you taught the students uh, the transit system. Uh, I believe it was in the UK with the Oyster card. So yeah. we're different here in Canada. We have In Toronto, we have the Presto card. So okay. I was trying to relate to it. Yeah. But still providing the students with the education of how do you travel on the trains and pay and where do you go and walk through the turnstiles? And yes. while some people, it's very, it's a natural thing, but there's some students who have never been on a train before. Yeah. They've never been to a big city where they have to learn how to pay. And what better way for you to provide that experience before sure. they go uh, so that they know where they have to put the card and and what it's like to be on a train. And I thought that was just fascinating. And I commend you again to just taking something so simple, but so immersive for these students. You're right. It's, it's a great time to be alive, that's for sure. And it provides context, particularly for the language learn. It's not easy to imagine what you're going to be like when you need to buy a train ticket or order a, a fizzy drink from a shop when you get to London or the US or Canada, for example. So VR absolutely provides those uh, practice test beds, let's call them. Exactly. So maybe um, can you highlight just quickly some of the barriers that you've had? And I know hardware is is one that we're all facing and yeah. that's not going to go away and it's always going to change. And is that, I guess, maybe your top barrier is just make sure the accessibility is there? Uh, having been through the, the education system as a language, a foreign language learner, and then as a teacher for the past decade or so, you, you do a lot of thinking and reflection about uh, what it is are the problems for me as a language learner and then as a language teacher. And um, and then you once you understand what the problems are, obviously you look for solutions or you should do. And uh, for me, VR was that natural best fit to answer some of those problems. So for me, obviously to experience or to provide virtual experiences to people, you're going to need the headsets. And, and that is costly. They have fallen a lot in price in uh, recent years, particularly now in the kind of age of these uh, in new six degrees of freedom experiences where you can look under things and over and round corners and stuff, which is wonderful, um, and room tracking. But, you know, if you're a school, maybe you kind of think, well, we, we don't have the budget to buy it. So that has been um, a barrier for sure. But in the end, uh, where there's a will, there's a way. There's nothing stopping you just... If you're a teacher out there, just doing what I did, which was just buying one headset, making it work for a small group of students, growing it from there and building your network of people around you. Like I said, where there's a will, there's a way. Are your English classes going to be open up for other students around the world to join? Is there a waiting list, I guess, to get into your classroom? Within reason, anybody's welcome at any time. So the ones that you've seen recently for the school in Norway are really just the start of what's to come. Because as I said, we're, we're launching uh, this month, well, we're already in February now, um, a program with two schools in southern Italy, um, public funded projects which will be one academic year long and they will be exposing students to 
all of the various elements of XR, whether that be virtual reality, augmented reality, whatever, and uh, basically showing them this technology and getting their feedback on how they think it could best fit their curriculum and also, of course, the teachers as well. So um, there'll be Italian schools involved in the next few weeks uh, talking to somebody can't say the name right now, uh, not confirmed, but announcements should be out soon for some schools in the US as well. So would love to have Canada on board, Julie, if you can, if you want to get involved. And you mentioned your daughter as well. If you, if you don't mind me saying about a comment you mentioned on uh, LinkedIn recently about the striking over there in Canada. Yes. And this is what it's all about, because like in the sense of using technology to solve problems. So you've got a problem there. Your, your daughter potentially can't go to school for a few days. Well, she can't learn, but she sure as hell can teach. What's stopping her uh, with a headset jumping into something like Rumi, like Engage, like Mozilla Hubs, for example, all these platforms and offering a class, making use of her time. And the best way to learn is to teach. So the future's bright for people if they just have a little bit of fire in their belly and some creative ideas. That's incredible. Yes, absolutely. And I'm taking that back because I've got three days of strike days this week. So I do have to use them to the best of her time. One of the main goals of my XR for Learning podcast is to help people change the way that they learn, that they teach. In your words, if you were to give advice to the world, to the teachers out there, what, what would that advice be? First of all, understand what the problems are. That, that is key. If uh, there's a program at University College, an EU-funded uh, project called um, Educate, and people should definitely check that out as well. And it's a program which connects edtech uh, startups and teachers, school, senior leadership teams, etc., and students to try to understand, along with the academic community, about how best to answer some of those academic problems through technology. So the advice for me, from me to people when listening out there is if you feel that some of the problems can be addressed with your virtual reality or augmented reality, for example, solutions, then try and get hold of a headset. If you can't get hold of something, I think like Oculus Go these days are like 150 US dollars maybe. Um, if, you, if you don't have the budget for that, totally understand. Why not just grab a, a laptop or a tablet, go onto Mozilla Hubs, for example. They've some, got some great tools that you can look at. You've, you can even use your smartphones, can't you? You can put that into a, a cardboard device, which will cost you a few dollars. So start off small, laser focused, understand what the problems are for yourself as a teacher and uh, for the students, and then just go from there, tweak things, get feedback get feedback of course from the students and, and just grow it from there but please understand where the problems are in your field that's the key thing well that's a perfect way to end this podcast thank you michael for joining me this is the xr for learning podcast with your host julie smithson thanks everyone for joining us